Welcome to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping new and aspiring instructional designers get the knowledge, skills, and confidence to stand out in the field and land their first corporate instructional design job. I'm your host, Jill Davidian, and think of this podcast as a way to put my over 20 years of corporate ID experience in your back pocket. I've helped over 500 new instructional designers successfully transition into the field, and I know what hiring managers are looking for. Whether you're looking for a career change and exploring if instructional design is right for you, or you know you want to become an ID and have no idea how to get started, you are in the right place. Join me each week for actionable guidance as we explore how to build your portfolio, transform your resume, and interview with confidence. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. So we just wrapped up our Instructional Design Jumpstart Workshop, and I am so thrilled with how well it went. It is a five-day workshop that I ran last week where I introduce, we had about 4,000 people sign up. So I introduced a whole bunch of people who are interested in transitioning into instructional design, into what it takes, what are hiring managers looking for. I really laid out the roadmap for what it takes to transition and really how to stand out in the field. And it went really well. I'm really excited with how it turned out and we got lots of good feedback on it. And we'll be running it again in September. But that's what I've been up to for the last week or so. And so I'm just kind of high off the adrenaline from that workshop. And what I wanted to talk to you about today is something that actually came up a couple times during the workshop and I get asked all the time. And it's about the corporate interview process. So this is something that I actually didn't realize was so different when I first started teaching people to transition to instructional design, I think it's because I work with a lot of educators and the process to become a teacher is extremely different. And I didn't know that. So it took me a long time to realize that, boy, are there a lot of differences. And I think those differences actually make a lot of teachers apprehensive because they don't understand that a lot of the things that happen with corporate hiring are just corporate hiring. It's not because it's anything with them. It's not because instructional design is maybe hard to get a job in the field or it's saturated or they're just never going to find work or whatever it is because they don't understand what's actually happening. And I think when you have fear of the unknown in front of you, it is easy to fill in the blanks, right? It's easier to make up what might be going on when that isn't necessarily reality. And so I want to talk about that. And this process that I'm going to talk about is not really specific to instructional design, It really is for corporate in general. Now, of course, it applies to corporate instructional design, but it really can be applied to any corporate job. And I think it's just something that really needs to be kind of spelled out for people because it is so different. So one thing I have heard from educators is that they maybe applied to one or two jobs and immediately got the job. Like it really didn't take that long. They didn't apply to too many jobs. And that was it. And it was during a very specific time because of the school year and all schools are hiring at that time. And it was just a lot easier. Not to mention some people haven't even done interviewing or been hired for anything for maybe 20 years because they've worked in the same district. And in corporate, it's very different. So when you apply for a job, the average time to get a job in the corporate world is five to six months. That is not for instructional design. That's not even for if you're transitioning to a new field. That's just in general when you are looking for a new job. Now, for members of Applied Instructional Design Academy, which is my nine-month program where I teach instructional design and help you stand out in the field and get hired, 
It typically takes between two and two and a half months for our members to get hired as instructional designers from the first time that they apply. So it doesn't take that five to six months that it normally takes out there. But that's where you have to put in perspective because a lot of times two to two and a half months feels like forever. And if you're doing this on your own, it's definitely going to take longer. But even if you are going through a program or you're getting help with it, even two to two and a half months can feel like forever. But when you know that the corporate process normally takes five to six months, two to two and a half months doesn't sound as bad. But what if you didn't know that? You think, oh, as a teacher, I got hired right away, two to two and a half months. Oh my goodness. It's like a year has passed. And so I think it's important to put in perspective how long it actually takes to get a corporate job. Now, what is the reason for that? It's because when you apply, often they're not in a hurry. So sometimes they put out job postings and the manager goes on vacation or the job goes on hold or they have to get approval for something or maybe they're hiring an internal candidate and then that doesn't work out. There's all kinds of things happening when positions first get posted. It is not uncommon for you not to hear anything at all for at least a month from the time that you apply for a job. So a minute ago, I was talking about two to two and a half months. That's to actually start at your new job to get an offer from the first time you apply. But when you first apply to even hear anything back in the first place, to even schedule an interview, it often takes a month. And this is not uncommon. And I think for many people, this is crazy. It just doesn't make sense, but this is normal in corporate hiring. And so I say that if you don't hear anything back in the first couple of weeks, it's normal. Wait a month and all of a sudden the momentum starts picking up and all of the replies and things like that start piling in. So you've got to give it some time. You can end up in this pit if you apply and a week later you don't hear anything and you're like, oh my goodness, I thought I was going to have a job already. These things take time. So what happens after you first hear back for your first interview? The first interview that you have typically is a recruiter interview. So we're mostly going to be talking about full-time work here if you're getting a full-time job, but I'll talk a little bit about contract at the end. It's a little bit different. So for the first interview, it's usually a recruiter at the company, somebody who works in HR, so they are not your hiring manager. They really probably don't know a whole lot about the job other than the job description. And so they're asking you some really basic questions. They're asking what are your salary expectations? Do you have familiarity with the software? In this case, it might be Storyline or Rise and how long have you been using it? They'll ask you a little bit about your experience, but they won't ask you any in-depth questions. They might ask you about if you are looking for remote or not, or a lot of it's kind of logistical questions. Well, if this is a contract position, they might ask you if you're interested in 1099 or W-2 because there's different ways of doing contracts. So it's really like super high level basic questions that they can take back and then give to the hiring manager. It's usually a phone interview. It's typically not on Zoom. It's typically not in video. They will actually call you. Maybe it might be on Zoom, but it just kind of depends. It's typically pretty short, maybe like 15 minutes to 30 minutes. If you pass that interview, you typically go to an interview with the hiring manager. And so this interview is going to be a bit more formal. It's going to be probably about an hour long usually. And it could be multiple people in that interview. Maybe there's a hiring manager and maybe another manager or somebody else. Sometimes 
There are panel interviews where there are multiple people interviewing you, and sometimes it's just one person, so it really depends. These interviews, if it's a remote position, they're typically on Zoom. If it's an in-person role, they might ask you to come into the office. Now, for the recruiter interview, they never ask you to come in, even if it's an in-person role. But for the second interview where you're actually meeting with the hiring manager, you may come in if it's in-person, and then you'll do it over Zoom if it's remote. So they will ask questions about, tell me about a time when you did X, Y, and Z. In the future, I will do an episode on questions that are typically asked during an ID interview, but they're going to ask you about situations that you have encountered in your work experience and ask you to elaborate on them. And you definitely want to have some questions to ask them as well. Now, the time frame between the recruiter interview and the hiring manager interview could be a week could be a few days, could be two weeks, could be a month. So you could have that recruiter interview and then you don't hear back to schedule another interview for a couple of weeks. And that's totally common for that to happen. It really just depends on how much of a fire under them is there for them to hire. Sometimes people are not that much in a rush. If you go on to the next interview, usually there is another interview. Sometimes there isn't, but usually there is. And so that next interview is usually with either a higher up above the manager, like the manager's boss, it could be a director of a department, or it could be a peer interview where it could be with another instructional designer or someone who would be more on your level as a peer. Some companies don't have another instructional designer in which you wouldn't interview with another one because you'd be the first. But if there is one for them to have you interview with, often that's the next step. It's either or And you may do both. So it could be a third and fourth interview where you interview with a peer and then you interview with the director of the department or your manager's manager, or sometimes it's multiple people in the same interview. So often the peer interview, if you end up having one, because this is where the order gets a little out of whack in terms of what actually happens. But if you end up having a peer interview, it's usually much more in depth about kind of more technical things related to ID. So the manager interview is more about your work experience, working with subject matter experts, how did you handle difficult situations? It's a little bit less about your technical expertise, whereas a peer interview may ask you much more about storyline, really more specifics about the actual job and what you're going to be doing versus some of your past experiences and the way you handled various situations. And so that's what's different usually between the two interviews is that you'll get asked a lot more about storyline, technical expertise, things that you've done with an ID versus how did you handle a difficult subject matter expert in that manager interview. Now, if you're meeting with the director or someone that is higher level, a lot of times those interviews are more values-based. Would you be a good fit for the organization? They are much less about your ID expertise. So this process, like I said, can be anywhere from two interviews to three interviews to four interviews if you count the recruiter interview. Like I said, sometimes they combine them and they'll put multiple people in with you at once. It just depends. But that's typically how it works. Now, in between, like I said, all of these processes, it could be a week, it could be two weeks, it could be three weeks. A lot of times the hiring process from start to finish, even once they contact you, could take a couple of months by the time they get to an offer. When they do decide they want to give you an offer, they will typically call you and give you a verbal offer, and they will then send you an email with a formal offer letter. You typically have a couple of days to respond. If you need a little more time than that, you can ask them, but typically 
48 to 72 hours is appropriate. Now, this is where you can negotiate when they offer you whatever salary they offer you. You can go back and negotiate with them. Most teachers do not understand this process. If you're coming from a corporate environment, you probably know it well. If you're coming from education where you're not used to negotiating, this is going to be a new thing, but there's often some back and forth with negotiation, and I will definitely be doing another episode on that as well. And then when you come to an agreement, usually it's over the phone with the recruiter. The recruiter is going to be the one that's going to be in direct contact with you. That is where you will then get your start date And they will start doing typically background check and references. So a background check is where they will verify with the last couple places you worked. It's not asking for references. It's just asking for dates and what your title was for the most part. And they will verify. Sometimes they do criminal background checks. Sometimes they do credit checks. It just depends on the company. Now, if you're working at a current job and you do not want them to verify anything from your current job, because that would mean they would call them and then they would know that you're leaving before you've given notice. You can tell them not to call your current job and that is understandable and they will not. Now, references are a different story. You typically provide three references. They want at least one or two to be a manager or supervisor and you provide those. You can provide whoever you want. It doesn't have to be your current job. Again, they completely understand when you can't get anyone to vouch for you at your current job because they don't even know you're leaving. So it can be a previous job. A lot of teachers ask me, well, can I use teacher references because they're not instructional design related? Yes, you can. If you have anyone to vouch for your instructional design expertise, like maybe a volunteer project you did or a program you were in and applied instructional design academy, I provide references. As of right now, I do provide references for members of applied instructional design academy I don't know if I will do that in the future, but as of right now, I do to speak to their instructional design expertise. But if you're going through a similar program or if you are doing some kind of project where you can get a reference like that, that's great. But otherwise, just use your teacher references or previous position references because a lot of times they're really speaking to your character. And so even if they can't speak to your instructional design expertise, they can still speak to who you are as an employee. Now, a lot of times teachers ask me about recommendation letters, and those are not used in corporate at all. Don't waste any time getting any letters from anyone because no one's going to ask for them. They just want references, which are name, phone number, and email, and then they will reach out. Sometimes they will send an email with a survey. Sometimes they will call, but they don't want your recommendation letters. That is more of an education thing. Now, If you don't get called for an interview, a lot of times they will ghost you or they will send a form letter that says that you did not get the job. They don't send out those form letters until they hire someone. And like I said, this hiring process can take a couple of months in and of itself. So a lot of times you won't get the form letter that says that you didn't get the job until several months after you've applied for it. So it will feel like they're ghosting you. And sometimes they actually do ghost you if they're not going to interview you and you never get anything. That is just the way corporate is. Unfortunately, do not hear back from everyone. You will likely only hear back from the ones that want to interview you in a timely manner. All those form letters and things like that will come later. So how many positions do you have to apply for in order to get an instructional design job? Like how many applications do you actually have to put in? Again, this is something that's very different in corporate because a lot of people think that they just put in a couple, they put in 10, why are they not hearing anything? They put in 20. I would say it's typical to put in 100, 150, 200 applications 
before you're going to hear back. That is very typical. And it's not just people who are transitioning careers. It is actually people who are already in a field who are looking for a new job that have to do that as well. Jobs often get 100, 150, 200 applications, and they're going to interview four to six people. It's a numbers game. You've got to keep putting in applications. That is just the way corporate works. And so this is also something that I think is very hard for people to understand that people think, oh my goodness, instructional design is saturated. There's so many people trying to get into the field because I have to put in all these applications. No, this is just the way corporate works. It's just something that you have to work into your expectations. Just know that it's going to be that way going forward. Now, if you are doing the DIY approach, it may take even longer. It might take 200, 250 applications in order to get an instructional design job. You're typically not going to get a ton of interviews, but it only takes one. So on average, you may only get maybe three interviews from putting in 150, 200 applications, but it only takes one to get a job. And so I think that's something to consider. You are not going to have tons and tons and tons of interviews. You're going to have way more rejections than you are interviews. And so Hopefully that helps you to understand a little bit more about the process for getting a full-time job. I think the main differences for contract work is that sometimes there are less interviews, but otherwise it is very similar. That recruiter interview that I was talking about in the beginning, a lot of times they're asking you about if you want to work 1089 or if you want to work W-2 because there are some W-2 contracts. They're asking you about rate versus salary. There's a few differences there. They're not going to have quite as many interviews, and it's not quite as difficult to get a contract position. They may or may not do background checks. And a lot of times they still do check references. Hopefully that gives you a better understanding of the corporate hiring process so that you can level set your expectations as you apply and work to get your instructional design job. And remember, it really does only take one it may feel like it's very daunting. It may feel like it's taken forever. It may feel like you're never going to get there. But if you think about it in the whole scheme of things, a couple of months process is really nothing when you think about having your instructional design job in five years and you look back on it. You're not going to say, oh my goodness, it took me like two months, three months, even five months to get this job. That was terrible. I know it feels like a lot when you're going through it, but it really is like a blip in time when you look back on it in the future. Thanks everyone for listening and I'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Jumpstart Your Instructional Design Career podcast. I hope you've gained valuable insights that will help you on your instructional design journey. Did you have a moment of clarity? Maybe you have some additional questions. Let's discuss in my Facebook group, which can be found in the description below and in the show notes at learningstrategyanddesign.com slash podcast. If you love the show and want to hear more, follow the podcast and give me a rating and review. Let me know if there's a specific topic you'd like me to cover or a guest you'd like me to have on the show. You can also check out more resources for breaking into instructional design on my website, learningstrategyanddesign.com. Stay tuned next week as I bring you more tips, tools, and strategies to jumpstart your instructional design career.